First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-five. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna read the entire book. This, or the entire book. Uh, I guess we could read the entire book if you wanted to, but we're gonna read this entire chapter this morning. First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-five, verses two, uh, verses. Um, 1 through 44. And if you do need to sit down, please, by all means, if you're not physically able to stand this entire time, please feel free to sit down. Um, we just want to honor God's Word and the reading of God's Word this morning. First uh, Samuel chapter 25, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord that's given to us. And Samuel died, and all, Israel, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance, but the man was curlish, or uh, he was cruel, and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said to the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that lives in prosperity, Peace be to both you, and to peace to your house, and peace be to all that you have. And now I have heard that you have shearers, now your shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there anything missing to them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will, they will show you. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in your eyes, for we come in, the good, in a good day. Give, I pray you, whatsoever comes to, the, to your hand, to your servants, and to your son David." And when David's young men came, uh, came, they spake to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants now, uh, now the, uh, nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men whom I know not where they be? So David's young men turned, to the, turned their way and went again and came and told him all these things. And David said to his men, gird you, uh, gird you on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And they went up, there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. And, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them or railed against them but the men were very good to us but we were not hurt neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant excuse me with them when we were in the fields they were a wall to us both day and both by day and night all the while we were with them keeping the sheep now therefore know and consider what, what you will do, for the evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two, uh, and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and, and a hundred clusters of raisins, two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses, and she said to her servants, "Go on before me. Behold, I will come after you." And but, but she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as as she rode on the ass that she came down 
by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all of that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained to him, and he was requ- requited for me, has, he has requited me, or repaid me, or returned me evil for good. So and more also do God to the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any that urinates against the wall. And when, they, when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, upon me, and, and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be, and let your handmaid, I pray you, speak in your audience. And hear the words of your handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray you, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name so is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I... Your handmaid saw not the young men of my Lord, whom you did send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, seeing the Lord has withheld you from coming to shed blood and from avenging yourself with your hand, now let your enemies and they that seek evil to my, to my Lord be as Nabal. And now <clears throat> this blessing which your handmaid has brought to my Lord, let it even be given to the young men that follow, follow with my Lord. I pray you, forgive the trespass of your handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make you, my Lord, a sure house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil has not been found in you all your days. Yet a man is risen to pursue you and to seek your soul, and the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life, and the Lord your God, and the souls of your enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling." And it came to pass, or it shall come to pass, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that He has spoken concerning you, that sh- and shall have appointed you ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief to you, nor offense of your heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood causeless, or that my Lord has avenged Himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember your handmaid. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your advice, and blessed be you, which you have kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with my own hand. For in this very deed, as the Lord God of the Israelites lives, which has kept me back from hurting you, except you had hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left in a ball by the morning light any that urinate against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have hearkened to your voice and have accepted your person. And Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he held a fast or feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunken. Wherefore she said, wherefore she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became a stone. And it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he, that he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that, he, that has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and commanded and communed with Abigail to take her to him as wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David has sent us to you that to take you to him as a wife. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let your handmaid be as a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. 
And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass and five damsels of hers that went, with, went after her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel and they also both of them his wives. But Saul had given Michal, or Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to, um, to the son of Lachish, which is of Galim. Let's pray. Father, we ask now your blessings upon your word and the text that has been read. And we pray that your name would be glorified in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Wisdom is very important. Wise counsel can be, can be very and a, a very important um, thing to receive. It, it is imperative that we receive wisdom. It's imperative that we receive wise counsel when it's given to us because, uh, to be honest, there are very small steps that are often, that, that simply often separate victory from defeat in this life. Very small steps, one missed opportunity, one missed moment can ultimately lead to absolute disaster. One, one small thing, uh, one small opportunity taken, one small opportunity given can be the difference between life and death at times. Uh, and so last week we looked at David and, and how, how, or I'm sorry, at Samuel and the faithfulness that God had given um, to, to Samuel and his life and how Samuel had used his life for the glory of God and how, how he had served the Lord faithfully. And so now we come because Samuel stands for us sort of as a bridge between chapter 25 and chapter 26. He does stand as a bridge to remind us that in the midst of all of this, God is still faithful to his people. That even in the midst of David running and Saul chasing and all the wickedness that is going on in the midst of the kingdom of Israel, God still has sons and daughters of God who love him and serve him faithfully. And so we, we look at now how we look at now how David refuses vengeance. Uh, two weeks ago we looked at how David refused vengeance against Saul. Uh, and now today we take up a very interesting text because uh, two weeks ago he refuses to kill a man who's trying to kill him. Now David is willing to kill somebody who simply, well... He simply, quite honestly, just, uh, uh, he treated him with an insult. It's interesting, isn't it? That he's willing to, un- to, to not kill a man who was willing to kill him, and for an insult, he's willing to strap on his sword and go kill everybody. This is, this is a man that is very interesting as we study, uh, as we study through his life in 1 Samuel and then in 2 Samuel to come. But fortunately, David, as I said, David listens to wise counsel through a woman named Abigail. Uh, And so God blesses him and protects him from doing anything rash. And so that's the scripture says in Proverbs 19.20, Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter end. So how do we do that? How How do we listen to wisdom? How do we receive wise counsel? How do we accept what God has spoken to us through, uh, not only through his word, but through, through the, the wisdom of those who will counsel us in accordance with his word. How do we, how do we receive this? Well, this morning, what I want to do is I want to show you from our text, I want to draw a couple of truths, a couple of realities, uh, three realities to be exact, from our text this morning. I want to show you how you and I accept um, wise counsel and make sure that we're accepting wise counsel in our lives. Here's the first one. And uh, we accept wise counsel because we are called to live in wisdom and not in foolishness. 
We are called to live in wisdom and not in foolishness. It's important that you and I accept wise counsel. Now listen, it's amazing because we are talking about, we, we, we have before us um, in our text uh, three different uh, main characters, well, four, I guess. We have Samuel, right, who just died, and we're just told he died, and all Israel lamented for him. We have David, a man of God, who uh, at this point uh, has, has done good. We have Nabal, um, who is, uh, is, is not a very wise man, but he's a very rich man. Um, and, and then we have Abigail, and then we have other characters, but, but mainly these are the four main characters that we have before us. And it's important that we understand that chapter 26 serves as a, as, a, as a pivot point in the kingdom because there is contrasts all over the place. In chapter 25, we see the wisdom of David and the foolishness of Saul. Now we see the wisdom of Samuel contrasted with the wisdom of Abigail and the foolishness of both David and Nabal. It's interesting how God gives us, even, even, of, even of our heroes of the faith, he, he shows, he's not afraid to show us the warts, their warts and all, which speaks truthfully to the integrity and to the absolute trustworthiness of Scripture. Scripture never hides when a man, even a man of God, acts like a fool or when a man of God acts very rashly. It doesn't hide it. It doesn't, it doesn't make light of it. It doesn't, it doesn't try, to, try to just sort of gloss over it, but it, it sends it out there, gives it out there, warts and all, and says this is the type of man that he really was. And this man, David, acts foolishly. But, but even before we get to that, I, I want to show you something. Because mainly, this is showing us the wisdom, the importance of wisdom, and particularly as, as living on through Samuel and ultimately through the person of Abigail in our text. But notice this. What does Nabal mean? Well, in the text, we're told that Nabal means foolish, right? Now, he's from the house of Caleb, which means dog. So literally, this man is a fool from the house of a dog. Um, this, is, this is what it, this is, and he lives up to his name, a fool from a house of a dog. Um, Caleb, though, was a very wise man, a godly man, um, and, and should have, this man, instead of living up to his foolishness, didn't have to he could, have, he could have chosen wisdom, but instead he thought, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father among the nation of Israel. I have lots of wealth, and so people should just respect me. But that's not the way this quite works, because Nabal was, in fact, a very wealthy man. And if Nabal had done nothing else, Nabal did one thing well, and that was to marry a woman, verse 3, named Abigail. Now, um, we have to remember at this time, they didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of marrying for love, right? Uh, women became married to men mainly because it was, uh, it was an advantage to the woman's family that they do so, generally, generally speaking. Um, there was very little of David and Michael's kind of love where they, they loved one another and they were married. Uh, it more was, uh, it's, it was a business arrangement, quite honestly, um, which, which goes very much in the face of everything American, isn't it, right? Everything's got to be about feelings and love. Well, this isn't the case here in this instance. Uh, David, uh, Nabal, uh, Nabal married Abigail uh, through whatever arrangements were arranged there from her family, and God gave her to Nabal, and should, she, should he have listened to her, things would have gone much better for her and for, well, 
I don't know about for her, but for him, uh, would, things would have gone much better. Instead of being a, a rich fool, uh, he would have been a, a rich wise man. He could have been a rich wise man who loved the Lord and served the Lord. Like his, like his, like his lineage, the lineage of his uh, that he served in was was that of Caleb. Caleb, we know from the book of of Numbers and Exodus and Leviticus, we know was a wise man. He loved the Lord. He served the Lord. He was forty years old when he got when he was out, able to go on the journey and uh, around around forty. And then he was forty years old when Israel sinned. He was one of the two only men that were allowed to see. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the promised land because of their faithfulness, the spies of his faithfulness. And he was 80 years old when he got to go in the land, conquered the land in faith by God's grace. He did this. And now he has a great, great grandson who is a fool. Um, he is a fool. I, truthfully, if I, if I were honest with you, just because you're godly or because our children come from godly lineages does not mean that they're going to follow the lineage that we have left for them, unfortunately. And so was the case for Nabal. Caleb and Caleb's sons and daughters left a, a legacy of, of great godliness and faithfulness. But unfortunately, Nabal did not follow in his great-great-great-grandfather's footsteps. He instead chose stupidity and foolishness. And instead of choosing to honor the king's anointed, chose to be worthless. That's what I said. The testimony of Scripture is very plain here in verse chapter 25 and verse 3, isn't it? I think it's very plain here. It says, now the, man, now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful countenance. But the man was cruel, right? And he was evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. And don't, for, don't misunderstand, because there's contrast all throughout this. And so Nabal is even being contrasted with the wisdom of the place from which he comes, the wisdom of the house of which he comes from, the wisdom of, of the legacy of the great, of the great uh, uh, man Caleb and those who came after him. Caleb was a very generous man. Caleb was a very godly man. Caleb was a worshiper of Yahweh, of Jehovah God. He was a worshiper of the one true God and served his people serve God's people well. To that then stands Nabal, or Nabal. And his was simply a son, as, his, as one of his own servants says in verse 17, he was, he was, uh, he, he was a son of Belial. In other words, he was a son of, of worthlessness, a son of, of Satan. He was a son of Satan, and, and Abigail knew this well, and she even testifies of this to David in verse 25 of how how foolish and wicked Nabal is and cruel Nabal is and stands in contrast to the house in which he represents and even to her and to the servants. Nabal seems to be, one of the, seems to be the only one of this entire group of people that don't quite get it. He's surrounded by wisdom. His servants are wise. Apparently God gave him very wise servants. They refused to listen to, his counsel, to their counsel. God gave him a very wise wife and he refused to listen to her counsel. And men, I, let me say this to us. Uh, we need to be wise. We need to be wise in all that we do, in leading our homes, in leading, our, leading in, in the church. We need to be wise in all that we do. And God has given us, hopefully, wise wives for us to listen to in the moments in which we, like David or even Nabal, can come across as being to, in our falling into our weaknesses or falling to our own, perhaps even our own foolishness in the moment. 
We need to be wise. And part of, part of being wise is listening to good, wise counsel. Good, wise counsel. And we need to do this. We need to, we need to listen to good counsel and act upon good counsel. Seek out good counsel. Right, so we, we, need to be, we need to be honest with ourselves that there are times when I don't quite know the answer to the question. I don't quite maybe know the answer of what we should do or how we should do this or where we should go or the direction in which we should go. But I know that we need to do something. So let me seek out the scriptures. Let me seek out good, godly counsel from those around me, from my local congregation, from my pastors, from, from those around me whom God has placed over me and, and, and been beside me so that I can, I can seek out good, godly counsel. Because if we reject godly counsel, if we reject good counsel, if we reject wisdom, we should not be surprised when we fall into foolishness and when we make bad decisions. But there's a second reality for us. We are to love our fellow Christians and seek their good. We are to love our fellow Christians and to seek their good. This is why we need to seek out wise counsel. You say, well, I don't understand. Well, l- let me put it like this. Who does David go to? Does he go to a Gentile? No. Who does he, wa- who does he, who does he seek counsel with? A Gentile? No. Who? A fellow f- one who was supposed to be a worshiper of Yahweh. Of, of Jehovah, of, of the Lord. He was supposed to be a man who, who was from the house and lineage of Caleb, therefore was, a, was an Israelite who was and was supposed to be a worshiper of Yahweh, of the God of Israel. And so he comes to them and he makes a, a reasonable request and he seeks to, he seeks to, to, to uh, uh, in politeness and in humility, right? David, as, even as the anointed king, had no reason to do this. But yet he's, he comes to Nabal with great humility, with great, um, with, with great humbleness of heart and mind, sending his own servants to him to pay him honor, to pay him, uh, to, to remind him of the protection that he has given, right, to them. And yet Nabal responds with rudeness and crudeness, with, with evil speaking, with evil speech to this man who has done so much good to him, who has done so much right by him. This man repays evil for good. And Christian, for us, we're reminded that we are to treat one another with love and respect. We are to treat one another with great humility. We are to treat one another with honor, honoring one another, honoring each other above our own selves. We are to seek the good of others long before we seek the good of ourselves. Nabal had never even asked David to take care of this and to protect his sheep, to watch over his flock. And yet David does this. As a, as a man of God who, who loves the people of God and is trying to serve the people of God. And so he does this out of politeness and out of, out of a sense of, of honor and integrity and duty to his fellow believer or someone who claims to be a follower of Yahweh. And in Christian, let me say this, we, we are to do good by the household of faith. This is why it, sh- it comes as, as a scorn to any local church that would, that would have people who are not under the discipline of a local congregation who are cheating their fellow believers. My goodness, if they will cheat their fellow believers, I guarantee you they're not doing good business in the world. And so we who are God's people should do good by those who are of the household of faith, like David did to Nabal, who was supposed to be of the house of Israel, but ultimately proves that he wasn't of the house of Israel, not by faith anyways, by birth, but not by faith. And this is, this is, the, this is the point of it all. David is insulted because Nabal insults him, right? And, and, and you need to see this. You need to understand how Nabal insults him, right? 
in verse 7 it says, And now I have heard that you have shearers, now you, your shepherds, which are, this is David's servant speaking, we, we hurt them not, neither are, was there anything missing to them all the while they were in Carmel. Uh, ask your young men, and they will show you. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in your eyes. For we come in a good day. Give, I pray you, whatsoever comes to your hand, to your servants, and to your son David. And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words and in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? In other words, I don't know David. Now, this would have been an impossible he would have surely known David. He would have known who David was. I mean, it was all over the kingdom. Saul was out chasing the general, the commander of Saul's army, trying to kill him because he thinks there's an insurrection afoot. But in it, not even in saying, I don't even know who David is, it was a slap. Culturally, it was a slap in David's face. It was a, it was a great insult to David. Like, I don't even know who this guy is. It would be like saying, you know, saying um, someone that, that, uh, that, that, everybody greatly respects of course I don't know in our day and time who that is but but someone that that everybody greatly respects and say I don't even know who that person is I don't even care about them you know I have no I have no use for them I have no purpose for them someone who has deserved great honor and great respect and and having complete in uh, just just a uh, completely um, careless way of thinking about them and so he, he even shows them, he even shows his cruelty here because in verse 14, what does he, what does he do to them? Well, uh, he rails against them, right? I mean, this wasn't, this, this wasn't even just, you know, get out of here. This would have been hurling insults and cursings and, and calling down curses upon them. This would have been a big deal. Right? This would have been a massively big deal. And Christian, we are told in the New Testament that as much as this is possible for us, we should live at peace with all men. But we should live especially at peace with those who are of the household of faith. We should honor those who are of the household of faith. If we have something against them, we need to go to them. We need to honor the Lord by speaking it to them, not talking about it to other people. Right? We need to speak it to them. We need to have enough, enough grace. Right? It's not easy. Right? When, you, when I, I may have sinned or you may have sinned against me, it's not easy going to you and saying, hey, you know what, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, you know, they really hurt me when you said X, Y, and Z. Or, or you know, I saw the way you talked to your wife or your husband. Or I saw the way you spoke to so-and-so or your kids. And, that's, you know, that's just really not, that's not what God would have us to do. It's hard to say that. It's hard to do that. But that's what it means to live in a house of faith, a community of faith. Right? That's what it means. Right, Because in a day, listen, and I don't say this just to be provocative, but in a day when men are so effeminate, men, we need to be men. When everybody is governed by their feelings, when everybody is, is offended at everything, it is time for us men to be men again. It is time for us men, when there are problems, for us to handle it like men. We are not, and I say this with no disrespect to, to the women in our midst, we are not women. That's right, we are not women. We are men. And we need to treat one another with respect. And we need to treat each other speaking truth to one another. And we need to be we need to be loving enough to one another that when everybody else is offended about everything, that we pick up, we pick ourselves up and we say, you know what? 
let's just talk about this. Let's, 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 let's have a conversation about this, right? Let's have a conversation about this. Let's talk about this. We can, we can get heated with each other. We can, we can disagree, even heated disagreements. But then we can walk out and we can be best friends. We can be brothers in Christ. We can, we can love one another. We can honor Christ. We need to honor Christ. We don't need to be fools. We need to be men who confront the reality of what's going on around us. And we need to speak honestly. We need to speak openly. We need to speak truthfully. We need to call our culture to repentance, right? I mean, when, when was it wrong? Like, like if, if anybody offends anybody anymore, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Well, how about just standing on your principles and your gumption and saying, you know what? No, I said what I said. That was the truth. I don't care if you like it or not. That's the truth. Truth doesn't live or die by my feelings or yours. It lives based on truth. We need to love one another enough to say truth is truth. We live by truth, not by lies. Not by feelings, but by truth. And ladies, let me just be honest with you. That's why God gave you to us. So we can have feelings. Okay? And be reminded that people have feelings. But in the meantime, we need to honor Christ by being, by stepping up and standing up and standing upon truth. And not being like Nabal. And not even being like David per se, right? Because what was David's answer? David's answer was, hey, you know what? You insulted me. I'm going to go grab my sword and I'm going to go kill you, man. That, that's, that's not necessarily the answer either, right? But there's a third reality for us, and that's that we are to receive and act upon wisdom. And again, as I said here in, in beginning verse 12, going all the way through the, through the rest of the chapter, right? Revenge, right? There's revenge in the air with David, but Abigail comes, a wise woman, a godly woman, a woman who loves the Lord, a woman who doesn't wait, a woman who, who comes in humility, a woman, though, who speaks wisdom and warning. She warns David, David, if you do this, you are going to have blood on your hands, innocent blood on your hands, and God will not bless you. God will not bless you. We need to listen to those in the faith who are wise. Those in the faith who love us enough to speak truth to us. She comes in haste. She comes in humility. She, but she rebukes him. And David, by God's grace, responds in grace. And notice what David does in verses 32 through 33. He praises her. He praises her. And then ultimately, what happens? Nabal gets what he deserves, but does David, is David the one that gives him his just desserts? No. No. Nope. God gives him his just desserts, what he has deserved. Now, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, do you notice this text really does remind us of a text in the New Testament, right? Where we're told to sin not, right? To be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? Don't, don't allow a, a foothold for, for Satan. Don't, don't allow this in your life. Be, be humble enough to accept and give place to the wrath of God. David should have given that place, but instead he chose to strap on a sword and go, go a-hunting. 
God, through this godly woman, Abigail, rebukes him. He listens. He responds. And as a result of God giving, God granting David repentance, God pays Nabal back for his sin toward David. Nabal, knowing full well who David was, he was the next king of Israel. He should have respected him. He should have honored him, if for no other reason than the fact that he kept his stuff, right? He kept his stuff and protected it. Right? If you want to get on most men's good side, just protect their stuff, right? Don't let nothing bad happen to their stuff, right? Well, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't, this is what happens. This is not what happened, unfortunately, with Nabal. He didn't care. He was wicked. And so he sinned, and God repaid him for his sin. So let me, let me just sort of close this all down by doing a couple different things here. First, let me, let me show you where Jesus is in our passage. One, so we need to be reminded, because, because ultimately in, in our Old Testament, all of this points us to Christ. It always does. We have to always make a beeline for Christ and see how Jesus ultimately fulfills this. So let me say this to you. Jesus is the greater David who sends his servants into the world with a message of peace for those who will respond in faith. But he also sends us into the world with a message of judgment for those who will not acknowledge the rule of Christ. And some of us will be treated shamefully, i.e., What's going on in Haiti right now with the 17 missionaries who they are demanding $17 million of reward for, or they're threatening to kill them, right? Um, or any number of other places that we could go to, right, of, of the Middle East or, or other places where people who are, who are Christians are calling upon their, their countries to repent and believe the gospel. We're not always going to be received well, but we will, we will have a message. We always have the message of the gospel to preach about King Jesus Second of all, Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater David who does not act in haste or foolishness, but he acts with care and calculating precision in all that he does. And lastly, Jesus is the greater, and this may sound strange to you for me to say this, but Jesus is the greater Abigail who took our blame and offered himself as our wrath-bearing and wrath-satisfying sacrifice for our sin. Jesus ultimately is the ultimate fulfillment of all of this. So how would I sort of apply all of this for us then? Well, Christian, I think, I think there's, there's a couple different lessons here for us. Um, let, let me give you a few. One, let us be very careful that we're not foolish. We're not foolish or spiritually by being spiritually impoverished. Because truthfully, I mean, I can be, you can be, we can be very successful in this life. We can be very successful in this life and still be a fool. We can still be a fool. We can still be spiritually foolish, nonetheless. Second of all, I think Abigail really does serve for us as a model for confronting someone when they do sin. Again, how did she do this? She did this respectfully. She did this in helping them to see their foolishness, the foolishness of the decisions that was going to be made, both in rebuking her husband Nabal as well as David. And she even helped others to focus on the Lord and his character and promises. Notice when in her response, if you, if you go home and you read this later, and I hope that you do, take some time to reflect on this. Notice how Abigail talks to David. What is her point? It's not just, hey, David, don't do this because, you know, hey, this is going to be bad. But she, she does this by reminding him of what and of who? She does this by reminding him of the Lord's faithfulness to David and his, his protection of David and his, 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 his care of David and his promises to David and the character of God. And she doesn't do this based on her own wisdom again, but by reminding David of who God is. Of who God is. 
Christian, when we are facing being wronged, when we are facing trying to counsel and help people who have been wronged, our goal is not to help them to get before they get got. Right? You know what I mean by that? Counsel's like, hey, you better go get them before they get you because you want to get them before they get you kind of stuff, right? Our counsel is, should be, hey, remember who God is. Remember God's character and his faithfulness. Remember God's promises and who Christ is and that God has promised to pay and to pay and to repay. Now, again, I, this doesn't apply to, look, if someone has, has, has wronged you criminally, right, if someone has wronged you criminally, you should call the police and say, hey, so-and-so, uh, so-and-so has done X, Y, and Z, and it's wrong, and it's wicked, and it's against the law. So I'm not saying don't report them to the law. I, I, I am saying, though, even if you do this, you need to still give the opportunity for the Lord to repay their wrong. Even in calling the law, even in, even in filing criminal charges against someone who has sinned against you criminally, right? you, should, you should still give place for the Lord to, to work. Here's a third reality. So I spoke to the men, but women, let me say something to you as well. It is important for women in the, in the faith to be, to be strong in the faith. You are of vital importance to the life of a local church. Because think of this. Ruth, Esther, Rahab, Abigail, Elizabeth, and we could go on about the women of God, faithful women of God, whom God has called to himself to provide wise counsel. To provide wise counsel. No, none of you will ever be called to stand up here and preach. I make no, I make, I make no, no apologies for that. But you will be called to be women of faith in your homes and to your families and in the local congregation. Fourthly, then, we need to carefully consider how we respond when we're, when we're corrected. Are we going to respond like Nabal, who is a fool? Will we respond like David, who acted hastily and almost sinned? Or will we choose to respond like David after his correction, and when he received correction, he responded well? Fifthly, then, let me say this. Trust God. Trust God for justice when you and I are wronged. And again, I'm not talking about, well, whether criminally or not, but, but particularly when we're not criminally sinned against. Trust God for justice when we're wronged. Trust him. Lastly, let me say this. Like Abigail, you are invited, church, because you know, or, 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 or unbeliever, because you see here how Abigail was taken after Nabal's death out of the house of Nabal, the fool, and into the house and the promise of David. And so like Abigail, if you are here this morning and have never trusted in Christ, you have been you have an open invitation before you to become part of the become part of Christ to be Christ to belong to Christ and you are called to repent and to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and called to have faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross and through his resurrection declaring victory called to 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 come to him in faith this morning, you, like Abigail, are called to recognize the Lord's anointed servant and to honor him. And we all are called, in Psalm 2, to kiss the son lest he be angry, right? We are called to kiss the son this morning. So whether you are struggling to forgive someone who has wronged you, or you are simply struggling with where you are in your faith, or you are simply, you've never had any faith, and you are struggling to, 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 to hear or to, to respond to the gospel call this morning. Trust Christ. Run to Christ. Flee to Christ. Trust 
Christ. He is enough. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time this morning in the Word. Thank you for, being, for reminding us of your faithfulness and the counsel of who you are. Oh God, there's so much more that could have been said and that could even now be said. God, we thank you that your truth is enough for us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace that has been poured out and shed abroad upon our hearts in Christ. And truly, if there are those who have never, like, who have never, who have never come to faith in Christ, may you work now in their hearts to sovereignly draw them to Christ. May you do what you only can do, Father. And we praise you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen.